All right. Good morning. Am I on? Can you hear me? No? All right. You can hear me now. I hear it. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hey, you are. Joe, I've always looked up to you. Yeah. So, man, it's so good to be back with you. I was here in May. I know some people are like, you were here not that long ago. I know. I'm back. So, you know, you're here. Without warning, here I am. So, <laughs> we're so we're super excited. Um, when I reached out to um, AJ and Jordan and these guys about coming, I had a message on my heart, and that's what we're going to talk about. And they were like, oh my gosh, this is perfect, because that's the day that we're installing Jordan. And so this whole thing kind of came together. You know, you just never know what God's going to do. So we're going to spend some time today talking about stepping into calling. And this is not, and so this is not just about people that stand up here. This is about everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. Um, I want you for a minute, you know, I was a children's pastor for a long time. So I'm into like closing your eyes and making believe and pretending. So I want you to imagine with me, you can close your eyes if you want to, if it, if it helps. <clears throat> okay. So I want you to imagine you're stuck in a job that you hate. I know this is encouraging, right? <laughs> Just imagine, for some of you, this is not pretend, but whatever, okay. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, hello. Um, <laughs> mistreated and devalued by your boss who saddles you with punishing quotas. You even find yourself wondering at times, is what I'm doing even legal? You're laughing, wow, okay. You don't really have any family relationships. You're pretty sure your friends are only hanging around for the benefits that your money provides. And the money is good. So you stick with it. Accepting that this is your life as you mark another day, another week, another year. And then, in a moment of holy disruption, a man walks up to your desk, and he looks you right in the eyes, and he says two words, follow me. Now, you, might, you can open your eyes. if you, Some of you were really participating. That was awesome. You might recognize that that is the story of the calling of Matthew or Levi, the tax collector, same guy. If you've watched The Chosen, any Chosen fans? Woo, I love The Chosen. They've really um, given us some pictures and visuals of this. And this is important. This idea, this, that's how disruptive stepping into calling can be. And it's so important because it changes everything. Stepping into calling is like unplugging from the matrix. It's like taking the ring to Mordor. It's like giving up vapor farming in Tatooine to become a Jedi. Okay, if I hit all the nerd uh, lanes there. Um, when you step into your calling, whatever the risk or discomfort that there may be, it's overwhelmed by the sense that you have a very specific role to play in a very big story. And I believe that is what God has for every single one of his kids. You have a part to play. Say, I have a part to play. So we're going to embark on this call. Thank you for the hallelujah. So we're going to embark on this calling journey together, and we're going to do this in four parts, and Joe and I are, are going to be moving in and out. I don't think you're going to be bored. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But our four parts so that you can have on a road trip. Don't you like to know the pit stops and the destination? And so, so we're going to give you a, a roadmap to where we're going. Uh, it's going to be how it started, how it's going, looking back, and moving forward. All right, that's where we're going today. So part one, 
how it started. How this all started, Isaiah 49.1 says, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. Uh, Jeremiah says the same thing pretty much word for word. And this matters to me because I was told when I was a kid that I was an accident. I'm sure they didn't mean it to be crushing to my soul, but, you know, and some of you might be feeling like an accident. You might be feeling like, or you might be feeling like, man, I've, I've made too many wrong turns. You know, it's just all hope is lost. Or you might just feel, maybe it's not even gone to that level. It's just, I don't know, I'm just going through the motions. Living life, getting a paycheck. I get up, go to work, come home, same thing, week in week out. It doesn't feel like it has much purpose. Psalm 139.16 says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What that means is you, my friend, were created with calling. God saw you coming, even if your parents didn't plan you. Even if you feel like you're living with no plan. God has a calling for you. So that's how it started. Let's talk about how it's going currently in our world. Have you looked around lately? People are discouraged. They're confused. They're exhausted. No show of hands. Okay. Uh, anxiety, depression, and identity confusion are running rampant in our world. We have forgotten ourselves. And the thing is, it's not by accident. It's not like, oops, I forgot, you know, I should have drank a V8 or whatever. It's not like that. It's actually on purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 say this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. What this scripture tells us is the bad things you see happening around you are not an accident. They are on purpose. They're an attack. There is a kingdom of darkness. There is an enemy. Um, we, we have to be aware. There is a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light and you better know which kingdom you're in, right? And so the things, it's good to be aware of the tactics of your enemy. Let's real quick touch on some things the enemy uses to blind us and distract us from God's calling and purpose. First thing, he uses pain. Have you noticed how distracting pain can be? You ever stub your toe? Dude, I stubbed my toe so bad a couple weeks ago, I, my whole foot was purple. I couldn't wear normal shoes. It was ridiculous. It was my pinky toe. I ended up going to the doctor for my pinky toe. I felt so dumb. But you know what? That toe was getting all of my attention in the moment. It was very distracting. Pain is distracting. And pain, it could be anything, a range of feelings from trauma to discomfort. It's all pain. And it all has the ability to sideline us. Another thing the enemy uses to distract us, negativity. Focusing on what I don't have. Isn't that sometimes our, our first thing? You know, we, may, we might get a vision. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I bet if I did, there would be quite a few. Where you've maybe gotten a vision, you got excited about something, maybe in a moment of prayer or worship, God kind of dropped a vision for something in your heart, and immediately it's like, oh, I could never do that. Because you're thinking of what you don't have. Let me tell you something. Negativity is the breeding ground for excuses. 
third thing that he uses, entitlement. And this is where really it's two sides of the same coin, entitlement and victimization. This is, um, and let me tell you, if you find yourself being, oh, it's not fair, you know, I, I, never, I never get picked, I never get, watch out, the enemy is reeling you in with, with entitlement and victimization. Joyce Meyer used to say, you can be a victim or a victor, but you can't be both. And I think that was a good one from Mama Joyce. A fourth thing that he uses, comparison. Guys, we are in a comparison culture, are we not? Yeah. Social media, everybody's highlight reels. Oh my goodness. You know, I realize, so I'm still sporting an iPhone 8, keeping it old school, you know. <laughs> and what's out now? The 15 just came out, I think. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah the titanium. Ooh, I don't even know what that means. And, but what I know is my phone works just fine. But then I see someone's new phone, I want it. I don't need it, but I want it, right? It's comparison. It's, um, it's, that's the flow of our culture. You know, success equals faster, better, bigger. Have you noticed that's not exactly how God counts success? Eugene Peterson talked about that it's uh, a long, long journey in the same direction. Right, it, this, is a, this is the long game we're playing. Faster is not necessarily better. And then the last thing that I see the enemy using, and there's more than this, these are just some things, is insecurity. We are plagued with a lack of identity and a sense of worth. That, oh, I could never do that. Oh, God would never pick me. I didn't believe I could be called to the ministry. God had to give me an external voice Somebody coming to me saying, hey, I believe you're called to the ministry. It would have never been in my purview. Like, what, me? Because I had such a low sense of self. This was a long time ago. You know, I'm all better now. But <laughs> these problems, some of you might, I put those up there because you, you might see probably one or more of these really is what he uses. For me, uh, it's, it, insecurity will get me. You know, it's that comparison which leads to insecurity. Those are kind of the things that I know that he likes to leverage in there. And the, here's the thing. This problem that we face that is this onslaught against our sense of calling and purpose, it's bigger and it's deeper than we can fix with therapy, with positive affirmations. Now, these things are good. I'm in favor of these things. I'm in favor of therapy as long as it's Bible-based and it takes you in that direction. I'm in favor of positive affirmations. Why? Do I want you like talking negative all the time? No, like say some good things. You know, gratitude. Even the world is big on, oh, keep a gratitude journal. I'm always curious. If you're not thankful to God, who are you thankful to? Like, anyway. But, um, and even self-esteem. It's not just, oh, you need to have better self-esteem. None of these things is bad, but they won't answer the burning question, why am I here? Only the one who made you can tell you why he made you. Okay, let's not compare now when I start talking. <laughs> I got to I have a lot of things I want to say off of what you just said, but um, I want to tell you a little bit of my story. When, I love talking about calling because calling is what really changed my life. It, it, and it changed my walk with Jesus. Because before, my walk, before I was called, I understood that I was called and entered into my calling, I really had a hard time following Jesus. Uh, you know, because they told me how to read the Bible. So I read Genesis, Exodus. I started getting bogged down. 
I got into Leviticus and Deuteronomy and stuff, it was over for me, okay? It was like, you know, they were talking about mold, mildew, women's problems. I was just like, you know, if you want to fall asleep, read Leviticus. Uh, and then, and prayer, like, you know, back when I was first following Jesus, Larry Lee, remember he wrote The Our Father? Uh, it was, and pray for an hour was the big deal, right? Pray for an hour. I, I'd pray for like three minutes. I had it covered, right? You know, because you, you, you ever notice too when you pray, when you finally sit down to pray, you remember about 42 things that you haven't done for eight years, but now they have to get done. It's just like, but, you know, I, I just couldn't stay focused, right? There was, you know, uh, between Bible, because there was like no purpose in it. And, uh, but when I found my calling, and I kind of stumbled into it, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you. Hopefully you won't be upset. Again, this happened a long time ago, okay, not three weeks ago. Uh, here's, here's what happened. I was a teacher. I'd get, I'd get out of work. And I'd go to a bar, and I was, I was kind of, a, you know, a, a, a struggling Christian at the time. I'd go to a bar, and I'd, you know, I'd have a few beers, shoot some pool. Right next door to the bar was a, uh, like, a storefront church, and they also had, like, a coffee house and stuff. And uh, so after I shoot some pool, I, I'd wander over there, sit and talk with them. And, uh, you know, I, again, this is a, it was a rough town, and uh, it was a street ministry, and I must have looked like I had it halfway together. I don't know, because they asked me, one of the leaders asked me, hey, Joe, would you be interested in teaching a Bible study uh, for us? We're looking for somebody to do a Wednesday night. And I was look, I knew enough that they shouldn't be asking me this, okay? I was like, you know, uh, but I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give that a shot. And uh, so I went out, and uh, back when you had to actually buy books, I bought a Strongest Concordance and a Bible dictionary. Uh, and we were going to, you know, we were, I, I, I remember starting to study and uh, I, I, the, first, the first night, I, I, it was John, John chapter 15, Abiding in the Vine. And I'm, I'm teaching these people. Now, I, I got the drug addicts, uh, people with mental illness, and uh, uh, single parents, people living in utter poverty. Uh, and that really wasn't the world that I came from. Uh, and I'm teaching them, but they're all, I, I realized, well, my goodness, they're, they're listening to me. They're, 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 they're taking this stuff in. And I, I was just, like, totally amazed by it. And, Six months went by uh, that I was doing this Bible study, and I realized I hadn't, I don't know if I told you the name of the bar, The Last Resort, did I tell you that? that I realized that I hadn't been to The Last Resort in six months or doing anything like The Last Resort in six months uh, that I had been teaching this Bible study all from God, all because I had purpose. Because now when I read the Bible, I was searching the Bible for how do you help somebody uh, with mental illness? How do you help somebody that's a, that's, that's a drug addict, right? And that's, that's addicted to drugs? I had no idea. So I'm now, I'm now when I'm reading my Bible, I got some passion for it because I'm, I'm realizing I, I, these, pe these people need help. And when I'm praying, absolutely. I got single parents with three, four kids that have no, absolutely no money. Now I've got a reason to be on my knees. See, Christianity is boring when you're just a spectator. You know, Christianity, it, 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 it has no, it's just religion, really. It's just rules, regulations, and stuff, and it, uh, it, it's just, it's not going to hold you. But when you get a hold of what God has for you before the foundations of the earth, Ephesians 2.10, before that we're God's masterpieces, we're his workmanship created in Christ, thank you, Jesus, to do good works, I like this part, which he created in advance for us to do, that he has a work for you. And just like Julie said, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how you were conceived, it doesn't, that doesn't matter. In fact, he'll use that. He'll use that to the benefit 
of, who, of, of the ministry that he's called you. And so every single one of us, every single one of us has that calling. And when you hit, when you hit your calling, you're going to get momentum. You're going you're gonna, to, you know, it's just going to carry you because now you have, uh, you're partnering with God and you feel it. And there's a, there's a reason for doing the things that God has called. So, you know, we're not a mistake. So many of us think, you know, well, somehow I missed it. It, uh, it, it's, it's not that way. God's inviting each one of us. We're here to kind of celebrate the installation of pastor, uh, these pastors. Uh, but every one of us, you have a calling. And the question is, what's your calling? And are you embracing that calling? a sense of calling with no real sense of purpose you're going to just be tossed around like a boat without a rudder anybody any boaters man you know that would be a bad deal you're just dead in the water um, you just end up that's how you end up going through the motions living as a victim of circumstance and the truth is like joe alluded to or maybe said even verbatim i'm not sure but you will never be more fulfilled and content even, it's not saying, hear me, guys, this is not, oh, this is a rosy path of rainbows and sunshine. Not necessarily. Sometimes it's hard. But when you know that you're in your calling, you have a peace, a deep and abiding peace, a joy, a contentment. You are fulfilled. You, that will never happen more so than when you are living in your calling. And why this really matters is because it's actually not just even about you. It's so much bigger than that, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. I, I just want to pause right there and say, you know, when we're talking about calling, we're not talking about everybody stand up here and preach. If that's not what you're called to do, you should not do that. Okay, um, you know, not every, it's, so I don't even want to start naming things, but it's, you know, what, what, what has God been birthing on the inside of you? What's that nudge you're getting? That thing that, in, well, we'll get to that. I don't want to get ahead. Okay, so uh, let's finish the scripture. Um, uh, it's the same spirit in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. See, it's not even just about you. This is why this matters so much. We need you. I need you. The people around you need you. This community, this world needs you living in your calling. Because God has a plan. I, th I think everyone would, would agree, oh, of course, God has a plan. But the thing is, God's plans involve us. Think about that. Unless we rise up in the part that he's played. Can you imagine the hobbit without Frodo? <laughs> right? Or really, who knows what I'm talking about right now? Okay. <laughs> Really? Really? Oh, man, you poor thing. Okay. Really, I can't imagine The Hobbit without Samwise Gamgee. Hello, Samwise. Okay. All right. All the rest of you are like, what? Go watch the movies. Come on. They're really good. Um, but your, your part is really important. God's plans are not going to happen. He wants us without us taking our part. He wants us as active participants in his plan. So how do we do that? Well, the answer to that question brings us part three, looking back. 
Often we have actually more questions than answers around the idea of calling. Have you noticed? Like, isn't this the big question of, of the world? Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of my life? And even in Christian circles, you almost when you start talking about calling, I feel like people get a little panicked about it. Like, oh, what if I missed my calling? You know. And so our questions can be like, how do I know? When should I know? What will it look like? What if I miss it? Okay, everybody take a breath. To find out what God, what God calling. This is not a calling like, oh, it's just what I want to do. Like, have you noticed, yes, young people, what they want to be when they grow up? And it used to be a fireman, a doctor, you know. Now it's, I want to be a YouTuber. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. No. An influencer. Please, Lord, help us. <laughs> to find out what God calling looks like, we go to the Bible, Okay. When God calls you, let's, let's just blow through some of the illusions we have about calling. Because I think sometimes we can think, you know, oh, it's the heavens will open and a light shone down and oh, the angels sang. No, no, just no. So let's look. When God calls you, it might come at the wrong time. I think of Esther. Have you thought about this? Like, it's a great story. We love it. You know, One Night with the King. I think they took some liberties, but it's a great movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a good movie. Um, but it might come, you know, Esther here, she's been trafficked. She's been abducted and, and forced into a forced bride. I mean, it is not good. That does not seem the right, like the right time for a God calling to come into play. You might be in a situation where it seems like you are a victim of circumstance, and how could God's calling be here? Think of Esther. Uh, it might find you in the wrong place. I think of Moses. You know, we, we look at Moses as one of the greatest leaders in Scripture. Dude was definitely, he was hiding in the desert. He was hiding from his history. He was hiding from the repercussions of his actions and choices. And God finds him with the burning bush. It might feel like you're the wrong guy. You've heard Gideon's story probably. God, no, who am I? This is a guy who was self-disqualifying and filled with fear. No, God, pick someone else. I am afraid to do that to God. Um, that is when, um, you know, I think that's the time that we see the anger of the Lord burn, is when people are like, you know, because he'll argue with you and talk with you, and then he'll, uh, you know, God, can you just pick someone else? And, and then the anger will rise. God's not asking you to do it without his power. Because if God, this is not in my notes, if God calls you to do, sorry, if God calls you to do something, he's going to empower you to do it. And actually, he will call you to do things. When he calls you, it will be something you can't do without him. So bear that in mind. It might even, when, you know, looking at scripture, when God's calling comes, it might even catch you headed in the wrong direction, like on your way to the last resort bar. I think of Paul on the way to Damascus. You just never know when God's calling is going to show up. Okay, you know we're going to be digging, digging each other, but uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to tell you. I want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, the the unlikely people, because you know I I found, and I think Julie alluded to it too, that oftentimes we count ourselves out, right? Well, God couldn't use me because, and then we have, and yet. You know, uh, Julie already mentioned a few of them, but if you just take, take Moses, uh, you know, it says in Exodus 3, 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, 
his father-in-law, the priest, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. I mean, could Moses was one of the most unlikely people to be called from God, called of God. That he was a murderer, right? And and he was on the run. He was a fugitive on the run, right? And he was he got as far away from God as he could get. He's on the far side of the wilderness, and he's married the wrong girl. I mean, can, can you be a better backslider than marrying the, a, a Midianite priest's daughter? I mean, it's like, this guy is, he's out there, right? But God, he's, you know, I don't know, I, I, I hope you don't think this is too disrespectful. He's like a hound dog, God. Once he's got your scent, he never gives up on you. He just keeps, just, just like me, in that, I'm, I'm in that bar and I'm knocking down, back then we drank Michelobes, we didn't have all these fancy beers that, uh, uh, but the Holy Spirit was always saying, hey Joe, there's a better way. I've got your number, he would, I, and I, I'm telling you, I'd hear that voice, there's a better way. You see, because once God, once God has your number, he's never, ever going to give up on you. The, you know, with Moses, you know, a murderer, fugitive, uh, he, he, he did, in order to attract any man, what do you do? Light a fire, and you're going to find all the men go over to the fire. You know, like, Whoa, what's this all about? You know, let's see if this burns in there. Let's see if this burns in there. You know? And, you know, you know, the fire's not going out, but Moses probably was like, whoa, I got to check those mushrooms that I used this morning. And I was like, uh, it might have been there. Wow. You know, uh, but God gets our attention in some way, something that won't go away. That's what I had, something that won't go away. And that's what you'll have in the back of your mind. And uh, so we already talked about uh, Gideon, but Elijah who was prone to depression and suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Peter, I mean, we, we wouldn't let Peter do anything in our churches. He was a, he was a liar. Uh, he swore like a sailor about, you know, when he was asked about Jesus. He was disloyal. He was violent. I mean, do you remember the story? He, he, when Jesus was getting arrested and he takes a, a knife out and slices some guy's ear off, and that's when Jesus made up the phrase, for, for Pete's sake, Pete, and he put the guy's ear back on, you know. Uh, you know, this guy, this guy was, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, I think he had ADHD, you know, uh, back then, because he was just like all over the map. He was the only guy in the Bible that Jesus, God, Jesus actually called him Satan. To get behind me, Satan. I mean, this guy, his resume is, uh, we're not, you know, Pete needs some more discipleship before we do anything. But who was it in Acts chapter 2 when the church got formed, the first Holy Ghost revival sermon was preached by that guy? I think the angels in heaven were like, oh, this is going to be good, man. You know, when they found out, we're going to let Pete give this one, you know. They were like, oh, man. Get this guy filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be wild, you know. And, but he, but that's God. Is that he lets this guy preach and 3,000 people get saved. That's revival. That's what we need to see. So don't count yourself out. Because God does things much differently. And he looks at us much differently than we look at ourselves or each other. That he, he, in fact, he likes people that are, that are on the edge a little bit. Because they will do stuff and have faith for stuff and risk for stuff uh, more than the conservative people. You know what I'm saying? So no matter what you've done, you know, God's ways are much different than our ways. And he will use you. The question is, where are you going to function in the body of Christ? Where are you going to fulfill that, that uh, invitation that God is giving each one of us? 
Where is your spot to join God and partner with him? Yeah, that's so good. It's a great question to ask, and it's so helpful. I'm so glad God tells everybody's stories in Scripture, aren't you? He tells all the bad stuff because, man, it makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> you know, especially Peter. Oh, my gosh, Peter's my guy, putting his foot in his mouth all the time. Thank you, Peter. Um, so we've looked back. So how do we move forward? Part four, moving forward. What I can tell you is this. The journey into calling, it can feel overwhelming, right? When people start talking about stepping into your calling, you can be like, oh, where do I start? Let me tell you something. The journey into calling begins with a single step. You might only see the first step. And it might not even make sense. You ever seen those um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark movies? You can tell I'm a big movie person. Um, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, when it's a, a step from the lion's mouth, right? Remember that scene? And he had to just take that first step. And then he, but he had to take the step before he could see the rest of the path. I think following God is like that a lot of times. You, you might only see the first step. And sometimes the first step doesn't even make sense to you. Sometimes it might be like, you know, oh, you need to make a phone call to somebody. It doesn't feel, well, that doesn't feel significant enough. But you know what? If we will get quiet and listen to what God is actually leading us to, because remember, he will call you. Your calling can't be done without him. But the thing he calls you to do and leads you to do, he will never ask you to do something you actually can't do. Okay, think about Moses parting the Red Sea. Did he tell Moses, Moses, part the Red Sea? No, that's not what he said. What was Moses told to do? Hold a stick over the water. I can do that. You can do that. We can all hold a stick over water. This is what I'm saying. Sometimes it doesn't even make sense, but there's something in your hand that you can do. There's a step you can take. Maybe it's taking a class, reading a book. Maybe it's just a conversation. Maybe it's a yes in your heart. There's something that you can take. But stepping into your calling begins with surrender. Always. The best picture I know of surrender is in Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21 says this, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Oof. I've talked back to him. Mm, help me, Jesus. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Sometimes we despise our gift. We despise our call. I don't want that to be my calling. I want what that person has to be my calling. Right? I'll just keep talking. I'll just keep reading here. Um, it'll say, does, does what is formed have the right to say, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purpose and some for common use? So I took a pottery class one time. It was on my bucket list. Um, anybody do bucket lists? I'm an Enneagram 7 if you're into Enneagrams and you'll get that. So I have an actual bucket list on my phone. And I've done a lot of the things on there. And one of the things on my bucket list was I wanted to learn to throw pottery, like, you know, with the wheel and the thing, and you squish the clay, and, you know, oh, my. Okay, you got me. A few of you got me. Um, and so I wanted to learn how to do that, and so I took a, a pottery class. I found out there's a lot of stuff you got to do before you get to the magical, you know, forming of the clay on the thing. It's not so magical, by the way. It's very frustrating. Um, but there's this thing you do before you even get to the wheel. You got to go get your chunk of clay and you have to do something called wedging the clay. 
and you, you put it on a table and you're pushing it and mashing it. And you have to do this for a long time. It's sort of like kneading dough, only if the dough was like really hard and not fun to knead. Um, and so you have to do this though, and you can't shortcut this step or do it a little and go, that's good enough, because the purpose of that is you're getting out all of the air bubbles. Because if there's an air bubble in the clay, and you might not even detect it, and you form your beautiful piece, and then it goes in the kiln, and what happens is it's going to explode. It's going to be fragile, or at least it's going to crack. It's not going to really be able to stand. It could look beautiful at first, and when it gets in the fire, it won't make it. And some of us, we give up because God's process is very similar to that. I think it's no accident that he uses pottery as an illustration of how he forms us and molds us and what he wants to do with us. And some of us, we're on that table and he is mashing us around and we're like, oh, stop it. I don't like this. But it's necessary. All of it. Um, that's why in a class I do, a Calling Discovery Workshop class, we spend a long time talking about how God speaks to us through suffering. Have you noticed that um, it's actually in the bad times that you grow the most? Anybody else notice that? I know, we don't usually like shout about that one, do we? But it's really true. And so God is forming things in us, but this is, this is the process. He's got to get those things out of us he, because he loves you more than the thing he's called you to do. He's not going to put you into something that you can't handle. You, his child, are more important to him than the task he has for you to do. And so if you feel like you haven't even made it to the wheel yet, man, surrender to the process. When we surrender our plans, our agendas, our dreams, our fears, all of it, and go all in on whatever the Father wills, that's when we can begin to see God's plans come. That's what's required, guys. It's, you know, Jesus told the parable about the pearl of great price, about the treasure in a field. You're not going to, this life that we're talking about, this most fulfilling life possible, you're not going to experience it when you kind of try it out and test it a little bit. It's an all-in call. You can't, if I wedge that clay just a little bit, it's going to have air bubbles in it. It's not going to make it. It is all in. If you only remember one thing from today, from my part, I can't speak for Joe's part. If you only remember one thing, let it be this. Whether or not you live out your calling has more to do with the posture of your heart than the talent in your hands. Wherever you are right now, whether it's hard, whether it's scary, whether it's exciting, Stay surrendered to the process. It's, um, you know, when that, that pottery uh, explodes, it usually explodes in the kill, and it damages all the other pieces in it. Mm. So it's pretty important that you, yeah. you go through the process. You got to be careful. It's really, you know, Moses, uh, when we talk about calling, it, you know, Moses did a lot of arguing, if you read it, in Exodus 3, 3, 3 4, 5 in there. And he's, he's very argumentative. It's like, uh, I can't speak. Uh, I'm no good at that. Uh, and, uh, you know, who am I going to say sent me? And that's when God says, uh, tell, him, tell him, he says, you know, tell him I am. You know, the I am, I am. And really what God is saying is, you, well, listen, 
Tell them that the God who always was, always is, always will be, that's who's sending you. It's the, I'm the God of gods, the almighty, the almighty God. And, and you see, when we surrender, that, that opens the door because God doesn't force his will on us. It's, it's in that surrender that basically he's saying, listen, my presence, I'm going with you. I've got your back. Because we are going to go through hard times. Even in the call, we go through hard times. I have found uh, in my life that uh, it seems like uh, the ante uh, of challenges goes up. I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm in my 60s now. I know I don't look it because, you know, I try to keep myself looking good. Uh, and I thought, oh, now it sh we should be on easy street, you know, because it should be, it just should be, okay, we got all the challenges. But no, God always said, Let, let's, 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 let's try this one. Because he's always forming us into the image of his son. And so the, 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 some of the challenges get even more and more difficult. And yet, he, and yet we learn through those challenges, through the fire, to one that we're being transformed into the image of Jesus. That we count it a privilege that when we go through difficult times, that these difficult times remind us of difficult times that Jesus went through. It also reminds us that he's forming the fruit of the spirit of God within us. It's, uh, it's always re just always remembering that his spirit, no matter what you're called to, the presence of God goes with you. And Julie mentioned that staff. Remember, he, when, when God was convincing Moses that you need to do this, he said, hey, take that stick in your hand and throw it down on the ground. And Moses threw it down on the ground, and the thing turns into a snake. And again, Moses being like, oh, there goes those mushrooms again, you know. And then he, you know, he, picks, it, he picks it back up. It turns back into, in, into, a, into a staff again. And here's the thing, God, that God takes our ordinary, and he makes them extraordinary. That we don't, we don't, we, see, we try to count ourselves out because, oh, we, I'm not extraordinary like so-and-so. But God takes the ordinary, and he adds his supernatural power to the ordinary, and it becomes extraordinary. And he, he makes it a promise. Uh, in Jesus, some of his last words were this, and he said, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. What he calls us to, especially when we are trying to reach lost people, he will empower us to reach the lost because we're the only ones who can reach the lost. We are it. And so he'll empower for that. Every one of us has a call to reach somebody that doesn't know Jesus in, in, in your life. Every one of us. And he'll empower us to do it. So today we're going to be celebrating the Spencers who are, uh, they're accepting a call. You know, that I, I just think it's really cool how uh, God, like, I, he just took you and, like, cast you out to the nations. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I want you back there in little old Warren and Russell, and it's just really cool that he did that. And so uh, we're going to be praying for him. I, you know, I think the uh, elders are going to come up and some of the other leaders, and we're going to take some time to lay hands on them. I believe when we lay hands on people, uh, gifts are imparted and stirred up in them and, uh, and just be able to celebrate the vision that God has given them. So uh, how are we doing that? Oh, here we go. <laughs> 